I do want to thank the worship team once again for just preparing us. Let's go to God with the word of prayer as we uh, conclude our month devoted to prayer and uh, the first of the spiritual, first of many spiritual disciplines we'll look at together this year. Uh, let's take it to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and ask that you will help us to clear our minds and our hearts so that we can be uh, true worshipers in spirit and in truth. God, uh, we bring so much uh, to you. We bring so much to our worship, uh, worries, anxieties, fears, uh, joys, distractions. Uh, God, but we know that when we come together before you, Father, this is a, a time of reverence, a time for us to open our hearts to be in awe of you. And Father, we do pray that we can experience that, that we can allow ourselves and our hearts and our minds to connect with you in a way that we probably hadn't connected with you before. But God, I do pray that we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds and that we can encourage each other to take our walk with you deeper and higher. And God, we pray that if our prayer lives are not where it needs to be, I pray that what we've learned this month, God, what we've, uh, what we've begun to practice and take higher uh, in our lives this year, God, I pray that we'll see the effects of our connection with you and we'll see a, and feel a closeness to you that we hadn't felt in a long time. And God, once again, we do want to offer up in prayer our sister and her family, God. We just pray uh, that you will embrace them, Father. We pray that you will uh, come down from heaven, God, and stand by their bedside as they, they are, uh, the husband and the wife and the children are recovering, God. We just pray for a complete miracle. Uh, Father, we, we pray for supernatural healing, and uh, we ask that you will uh, please support the family, um, the church in Houston, God. We pray that they will rally by her bedside and uh, by the brother's bedside and, 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 and especially by the children's, God. We just ask that you will uh, shower them with love and, and, uh, and meet their needs, God. We love you. We thank you. Please be with us this morning as we come before you and worship you and and uh, sit at the feet of your throne and be fed your word, God. We love and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I tell you, this focus on prayer has really revealed some things in my prayer life. And uh, I've made some changes, and especially in my attitude towards prayer. And I don't know about you, you know, but I've, I've been praying for a long time. I've been taught how to pray as a child, you know, you you're taught early on to say the Our Father prayer. You guys remember that? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you know. And so for a while, that's what you say over and over again before you go to bed. Make sure you say the Lord's Prayer, right? And for some of us, our first uh, attempt to get closer to God, we've even prayed the Sinner's Prayer. I don't even remember what that says, but I know at some point in my life I did a Sinner's Prayer. So my life has always been surrounded by prayer, and I can tell you sometimes uh, I was a worse sinner after I prayer, prayed than I was before I prayed, and I think a lot of it was because I really didn't understand the purpose of prayer, and so as I've matured in the Lord and as I've read the Bible and, and have been mentored by other spiritual men and women, I started to realize that there was a lot more to prayer than just me going before God and asking for forgiveness or me going before God and asking for a larger bank account 
or an easy, easier path or a more comfortable life. There's a lot more to prayer than just asking God for things. And so, contrary to popular belief, prayer is not about asking God for things. Now, last week we talked about praying like we know. Praying like we know who God is and praying like we know what God can do. That doesn't change a thing because God is awesome. God is a consuming fire, but God is also a loving father. And God can stop the sun in the sky if he wanted to on the behalf of his children. God can do the absolute impossible, and he will for those he loves. But that's not the only reason we go to God in prayer. It's to ask God for things. That's simply a secondary function of prayer. Now, if my children only loved me because of what I could give to them, I would really consider whether or not I want to keep them kids in my house. I mean, imagine your children telling you, for those of us who are parents, the only reason I'm coming to you, the only reason I love you is because on my birthday you give me things, because on Christmas you give me things, because you give me food, you give me water, you give me clean clothes, you give me everything I ask for. How would that make you feel as a parent? You would want your relationship to be a lot deeper than that, wouldn't you? You would want your children to love you regardless of what you gave them or not. So why should it be different in our relationship with God? Why should we only love God and choose to be close to God because of what he gives us and because of the amount of prayers he answers on our behalf? The main purpose of prayer is to elevate us into the presence of the Almighty God, to usher us into an eternal communion with God. It's about connecting with God. It's about being with God. It's about reaffirming your confidence and your hope in God. You know, I would love to think that my children would want to spend time with daddy just because I'm their daddy. Just because their mother brought them into this world. I would want our children to love us just because, not because of how much we spent on Christmas. Now, it does help when you do give them a little something extra. That love tank does go a little higher, doesn't it? I mean, they love you a little more. They add a little more sauce to the love. But what about those parents who work hard and can't give their kids the things that they want? Do they deserve to be loved? Absolutely. So whether your parents can give you what you want or, or, or not should never determine how much we love them. And whether God gives us everything we want should not determine how much we love him. Because let's be honest, God did one thing for us that we could not do for ourselves, and for that reason only, he deserves our wholehearted devotion. You know, we see this principle clearly in the Psalms. If you don't know what we're talking about today, we're talking about praying. You know, in the Psalms, we see a lot of prayers that I, I've, I started to learn to adapt as my own prayers. And the title of our, our, prayer, our message today is Pray Like You're Connected to God. Pray like you're connected to God. Because when you're connected, when you're close to God, there's a certain way you pray to God. There's a certain attitude you have 
when you're connected to God versus when you're not connected to God. You know, when someone is not connected to the other person or in a relationship, everything is on the surface. There's not a whole lot of intimacy. There's not a whole lot of emotional involvement. There's no connection. There's no commitment when a relationship is surfacing. But when you're connected to someone, when you're emotionally connected to someone, when you're, when you're devoted to someone, your attitude is totally and entirely different. And I believe it's why the hurt feels a lot deeper when we're hurt by someone we're close to rather than someone we don't know. A stranger hurts your feeling, you can brush that off. But if somebody who should know better hurts your feelings, that wound is a lot deeper. And it takes a lot longer to, to heal, right? When a husband hurts his wife's feelings or the wife disrespects her husband or the kids talk back to their parents or the parents lose their temper, that we carry that around for a while. Some of us are still dealing with issues from our childhood because we were wounded by people who should know better, people who should love us. But how many times in school have you been called big head or someone said your mother this and you, you outgrew that, right? Because those people didn't mean anything to you. So when we feel wounded by God, that affects people's prayer life. When we feel that God hasn't done something that we had asked him to. And this is why prayer is a lot more about getting what we want. And it's about connecting. Because there are things in our lives that we think we need that God is like, absolutely not. He's the loving father. And connecting with God shows that we trust him with our very lives. You know, in the Psalms, you see people praying in a way where it's obvious that they are connected to God. A few examples here, you know, the psalmist, they pray things like, you bestow glory on me. You lift up my head. The light of your face shines upon me. I lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone make me dwell in safety. My rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God is my rock. You hear my desire. You listen to my cries because you are at my right hand. I will never be never be shaken. You draw me out of the deep waters. You keep my lamp burning. You turn my darkness into light. With your help, I can run through a barricade. With my God, I can scale a wall. In you, I trust, O God. My hope is in you all day long. To you, I lift up my soul. You know, what do these thoughts spell out except trust, security, someone who is totally dependent on God? There's a bonding that they feel. There's a security that they feel. There's a hope that is renewed. There's a hope that is stable because of the connection they have with God. And they express it through prayer. You know, it spells out that these people had a bond with the Lord. And this is what God is desiring for each of us. God wants to be your refuge. God doesn't want you to turn to alcohol or nicotine, or marijuana, or sex, or pornography, or social media for, for an escape. He wants you to come to him. Let him be your refuge. When things are shaky in your life, 
and you can't depend on a friend because they didn't pick up or return your text fast enough, God should be that rock. God should be that ever-present help in time of need. And he wants to be that for you. God wants us to connect with him because he's always going to be there. Their communion with God changed them from within, changed their faith. And they looked at themselves and the way that their struggles were taking over their lives, and then they redirected their attention to God. Their struggles didn't add up. It didn't add up. You see, when we're facing struggles, God wants us to turn to him. He wants us to look to him. He wants us to have this connection that no temptation can break, that no amount of sin can sever. That's the kind of relationship that God wants us to have. You know, I think some of us have denied ourselves this connection for so long because we feel like we are unworthy. I don't feel good enough. My lips are too filthy to come to God. God, why would God love someone like me after what I did last night? Why would God love someone like me after the way I spoke to my husband the other day? Why would God listen to someone like me after the way I've treated my wife all these years? Why would God love someone like me after I had not been there for my son, not been there for my daughter? Why would God listen to someone like me when I can't get to church on time? Why would God love someone? I mean, we pick the little things. And God is like, what are you talking about? I didn't withhold my one and only son from you. Why would I let that stand in the way? Why would I keep myself from you? Because you were a little late. Because you lost your temper. If you really love me, then repent. Let's work it out together. That's what I'm here for. And I think we keep ourselves from having this intimate relationship with God because we beat ourselves up so much. And we're carrying around this guilt in our hearts. And God is like, look, Psalm 55 says, cast your cares on me. I will sustain you. I'm not going to let you fall. Philippians 4 says, cast all your anxieties on the Lord. Through prayer, God wants to take away that, that bitterness. God wants to take away that lack of trust. He doesn't want us to walk around just acting like, well, this is just who I am. God's okay, I still love you, but you got to change that, though. Because that's keeping us from being as close. And there's so much more I want to do in your life. But I need you to change your attitude. That all can be taken care of through prayer. When we connect with God, sometimes our own hearts are exposed. I've been exposed this week through prayer. Found myself complaining like a little brat. And I'm thinking, through this prayer time, I'm like, I walked away from it thinking, I'm, I just had to apologize to the Lord. Like all these blessings that I have, and I have the audacity to complain about this. You know, there are times where we think that we just deserve something. And God in his infinite patience and mercy will let us go on and complain. And will let us go on and complain. And will let us go on and complain. 
And will let us compare. Well, Lord, how come you did this for this one? And how come I don't have this? And I worked hard and I gave this and I sacrificed and I served here and I did this. And God will listen. And then he'll say, okay, now brace yourself like a man. Because I'm about to speak. What about when I did this for you? What about when I pulled you out of that? What about when I rescued you from this? Hold on, I'm speaking. What about when you begged me to help you and then you said, these were your words, that if you get me out of this, I promise you I will change my life. What about that? You forgot, I didn't because I can't forget. Prayer is not about getting what you want. It's about connecting with the Almighty Father. In Psalm 40, I love this song. You know, shortly after I was baptized, I remember reading this song in prayer and just thought, this, this is my life. It sums up my life, what God did for me. He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. You know, have you been in that situation before? Were you ever in a slimy pit and God pulled you out? Now, obviously, he's not talking literally here, right? But this is how he felt. He's describing his feelings. And when you're in the presence of God, it changes the way we think and feel. Have you ever just felt stuck? Like, man, no matter what I do, no matter how many times I try, I just feel stuck. And then God comes and changes your life. So much so that you, you, you learned a new song. You started singing because now it's coming from a real place. It's coming from a place of gratitude. It's coming from a, a, a place of, of thankfulness. Because God pulled you out. Let's look at another song. You're going to have to open your Bibles for this one. That's all right. We're a Bible church, right? That's what we say. So open up our Bibles. Psalm 18. Tell me if you've ever felt like this. Psalm 18. Let's start reading verse 4. It says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him in his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The fountains of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his, his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning, and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of your breath from your nostrils. You know, 
these words are super descriptive. He uses words like the cords of death, entanglement. This is how he's feeling before he went to God in prayer. Sometimes we feel like death is at our door. Like there's no other hope. Like I've turned to everyone I could. I've done everything I know to do. But I just feel like dying. I feel like there's no other help. Like no matter what, I can't get out of this situation. The coils of death entangles me. I can't get out this relationship. God, I'm trying to get out this situation. And I'm begging you. And then God comes down. God is so ready to step in. It says that after he connects with God in prayer, it says the earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountain shook. That's what it felt like when God answered his prayer. You see the difference in emotions here. He went from extreme distress to unbelievable awe and appreciation that it felt like God himself moved heaven and earth for him. You see, when you're connected to God in prayer, that's what it feels like. When you need God to intercede, God steps in in a big way. God steps in in a big way. You know, I remember one time as a young kid, as a teenager, my brother and I was out in the back of our building in the Bronx. We were in the play yard, and my brother likes making fun of people. And so he's making fun of this kid climbing up a tree. And this kid, you know, he took offense to it. So he came, and his big brother stepped in. Now, this is my big brother making fun of the big brother's little brother. So this guy steps in. And then I'm like, okay, are we about to fight, you know, over words? And so then the boy's mother comes over. And my mother's looking out the window, just like any protective mother. Now, we lived on a sixth floor, 450 East 169th Street, apartment 6F. She had the, the rear window. She could see the back part. She's looking out. Hey, what's going on? And before I knew it, my mother was downstairs. I don't know how she got down so fast. Slippers, robe. I mean, she was there. She moved heaven and earth to be there to defend her kid. What's going on? Still closing up a robe. I mean, she was down there so fast. And I'm like, how did you get six flights? But she was there. And that's what God is like. When we ask God to rescue, God will move heaven and earth for you. You don't have to wait. God is like, I love you. I'm going to be there for you. God is connected to us in that way. All I could see was my mother. And those people turn and say, hey, everything's all right. I'm like, am I about to see my mother throw down in the park? Her and his mother exchanged some words. And that woman took her son and they left. And I felt like, yeah. My mother's no joke. My mother is no joke. And you let me tell you, you walk around with a certain confidence about being protected when someone comes to your rescue in that way. My mother didn't know what this woman could do or what she, she didn't care. She came to protect her children, just like God does us. There is nothing God won't do for you. There is no distance God is not willing to go for you. There is no depth God is not willing to descend for you. You can't go low enough for God. 
to not want to rescue you. You can't go far away from enough for God not willing to travel. You know, you can go, you can try to hide. God has people everywhere. And you may think you're hiding out and you might bump into somebody on vacation. Hey, aren't you in the New York church or aren't you in the Harlem church or the Harlem region of the New York City Church of Christ and James is your pastor, Reverend James? And you're here trying to hide and God sent somebody to you because he knew you was praying. You think that's a coincidence? No. God loves you so much he won't even let you mess up properly. God's like, you know what? I love you too much. You need to come on in. It's no coincidence. When you're struggling, And somebody just happens to bump into you? Just happens to call you? That's God. That's absolutely God. That's how much he loves us. You know, if you don't feel that kind of safety and security, it's either your prayer life is lacking or you don't understand the purpose. When all you do is ask for things, and that's the extent of your relationship with God, you're missing out on so much more. You're missing out on so much more. Prayer is not about talking. It's about listening. It's about seeing and experiencing God. Every day when you go into prayer, remember the purpose of prayer. It's not about asking for all the things you want. Yes, you do ask, but that should not be all you do in prayer. Sometimes prayer is just about God, speak to me. What do you want me to do? And then you shut up. And you wait for God to speak to you. You let God show you where he wants you to go. It's about connecting and staying connected to the Father. You know, Jesus, in the Gospels, it says that Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places, private places. He would go off. He he went out to lonely, solitary places. Why? So he could connect with God. That's how important his relationship is what the father was to him, that he would have to leave people and go to a place where he could just be alone and connect with God. You know, we need to figure out a way in our lives where we just have private time with God. That's why we call it quiet times. Where you can just go. It's not just something we we, we say to do and, you know, it's a good idea. Quiet time is supposed to be you getting away where you can commune with Father, with the Father uninterrupted, where you're not distracted, where you can put your devices away, and if you could, put the children away, and just you and God, and you connect with God. You know, this place, this picture that you see behind me is a picture of modern-day Gethsemane. It's where Jesus would often go when he, when he visited Jerusalem. He would go to this olive garden, called Gethsemane. Now, this wasn't an easy place for Jesus to get to because he had to cross over the Kidron Valley. So it wasn't like he, he could just step out of Peter's house and just walk on over to Gethsemane. No, he had to, it took effort. And let me tell you, it's going to take effort for you to really connect with God. You're going to have to really plan it out. You're going to have to be deliberate about this. But when Jesus visited Jerusalem, he and his disciples would often go to Gethsemane where he can connect with God and can connect with his brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And you know, it was one of his favorite places to go, which was no surprise that during that, the most challenging time in his life, he went to a place where he connected with God the most. He went to Gethsemane. Because that's where he connected with, with the Father. And you know, whenever we're feeling disconnected from God, we've got to find that place, that time in our life where we can just escape and be with God. And we know Jesus' prayer. He prayed three times that the cup would be taken away from him. And for those of us who are not familiar with the story, the cup was Jesus having to be sacrificed on the cross. But he had to be sacrificed on the cross, not because he was a criminal, not because he broke any laws. In fact, he fulfilled the laws. He revealed the heart of the laws. It wasn't because he was leading a rebellion against Rome. It wasn't because he disagreed sharply with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the scribes in, in his time. It wasn't because of all those reasons. It was simply because God desired to be connected to us. And Jesus was the key to making that happen. Jesus was the key to making that happen. And in John 18, verse 1, it says, When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place. Judas knew exactly where to go. Because that's how often Jesus and his disciples met there. He said, I know exactly where he's going to be, and I know exactly what time. So there's a consistency implied here, because Judas knew exactly where to find Jesus. You know, our habits of prayer should be so consistent that people know where to find us. Our kids should know, oh, mom and dad, they're praying. Six o'clock, seven o'clock, I know where they're at. There needs to be a, a consistency to our prayer life, to us connecting with God. And then, once we connect with God, once we develop this habit, we'll start to feel this connection. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we need the help of other brothers and sisters to get connected. You know, Jesus took his disciples there and he, he told them, hey, sit here and pray with me while I go over here. And connect with the Father. But pray, pray for me. Pray for me. And he told them to pray specifically that they would not fall into temptation. Because the spirit was willing but the body is weak. He was preparing them for what was about to happen. He didn't necessarily need their faith. He wanted them, he wanted to show that guys, I have to do this. This is, this is my cup to bear. You can't carry this cup, but I still want you to be prepared. I still want you to be there with me. You know, when we go through things in life, we're not going to be able to carry the certain burdens, but we can be there to help each other carry our burdens. They're cups that God has allotted to us and to us alone. We can't take away each other's cups as much as we would want to, but we can be there to help each other, praying with each other, Praying for one another. You know, sometimes we pray, you don't even have to say a word. Just your presence alone. Hey, bro, can you just pray with me? 
and let that person empty their hearts and you just be there to bear witness. You don't have to say anything, but just being there, being alert, your presence can help give them the courage they need. So you ask, well, James, why was it so hard for Jesus when he had already knew he had to die? He prepared himself. He prepared the disciples before arriving to get So He was telling them that I have to die. So you, you kind of assume that Jesus had accepted this fate. But why was it so hard for him the night before, for him to go and, and have to spend hours of prayer asking the Father to take away this cup? Why was that so necessary? I think Habakkuk gives us an explanation. When he talks about God, he says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. You see, out right here, Habakkuk was prophesying the spiritual separation between Jesus and the Father on our behalf. When you look over at Psalm 22, as Jesus was crucified on the cross, and just before he breathed his last breath, he quoted Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when you continue to read, it says, why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Jesus prayed this, this psalm because his spirit was about to be disconnected from the Father for the first time. And it's our fault. It's because of our sin. Jesus had to experience this disconnect in the first place. And so Jesus, fearing this separation, in his dread, he prayed and he quoted the scripture to describe the emotions he was feeling, the dread he was feeling the alienation that he would feel and go through because of our sin. You know, Jesus suffered his double death so that you and I would never have to. So that you and I would never have to experience being separated from God. You know, I don't know about you, but for those Christians in the room, have you ever really sat down to think about what God had gone through to bring you salvation? And what God has done to keep you saved? You know, when you really sit down and think about all the things you've done in your life and how God could have pulled the trigger at any point during that time, it should show you how much, how important it is for God to be connected to you. How deep his desire is. You know, God could have ended our lives the first sin. The first time we knew we were doing wrong, God could have said, all right. But he didn't. Even after the thousandth time, God could have said, all right, enough is enough. They're not getting it. They don't want this. That's it. There were people in the Bible who only sinned one time. They only messed up one time. They didn't get a chance for a second go-round. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, 
They only had one time to cheat God of a contribution. They didn't get a chance to double up. I bet you they wish they did. But some of us, we get a chance to do it. Jesus prayed to stay connected to his father. That's how important prayer was to Jesus. And my question to us is, how important is prayer to you? How important is being connected to God to you? You know, if you're a husband, the Bible says, and and I believe it's first and second, one of the Peters, that if we're inconsiderate to our wives, it hinders our prayer. It will briefly disconnect us from God. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that if you don't forgive someone who's wronged you, the Heavenly Father won't forgive you. Disconnect. Hebrews 10 tells us that we deliberately keep on sinning. There are no more sacrifices for sin left. Disconnect. How important is being connected to God to you? You know, some people walk away from God when they don't get what they want. And that's not what being in a relationship with God is all about. You know, someone once wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given firmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life, but instead I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. You know, it's all about staying connected with God. It's not about getting what we want. Yes, we need to pray like we know who God is. And we need to pray like we know what God can do. But we need to pray like we're connected to the Father. God already knows what we need. God already knows the desires of our hearts. God has already blessed us in so many abundant ways that we can't even begin to count all the blessings that God has already bestowed on our lives. The very fact that you and I are here today is proof of God's grace and blessing. Let's pray like we want to be connected to the Father. So I want to give you a challenge. Take one day this week, spend it in prayer, and don't ask God for a thing, but praise him for everything. Don't ask him for a thing, but thank him for everything. Can we do that? I'm only asking you to do one day. A one-day prayer challenge. It will transform the way you see God when you thank him for all that he's already done in your life. And when you realize what God has already done, it'll really lead you to rethink the things that you want him to do next. Amen? Let's pray for the communion. Our gracious and awesome Father God, we come before you humbly asking, first and foremost, God, that you will forgive us for every sin we've committed against you up until this point, 
God, I pray that you'll forgive us for the sinful thoughts we had during our worship. Because we know that our hearts and our minds can drift and entertain thoughts that are not pure before you. Father, we ask that you will help us to remember that you love us beyond compare, that you love us more than we can ask or imagine. And I pray, God, that we continue to grow in our gratitude for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you will bear the fruits of the Spirit in our lives today, that you will start to bear those fruits in our lives so that we can be an example for you and help others come to know Christ Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice you made for us on the cross, and as we take the bread that represents your body that was broken for us, and as we take the juice that represents the blood that was spilled so that we can be cleansed from our sins, we thank you, and we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys.